Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shook with Ashley Marie Preston. I'm your host, Ashley Marie Preston, and in the studio with me today is Vic Jeremy. Many of you got to meet Vic from the last episode. He is the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post, and he is with us again today. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ashley. How was your weekend? Um, pretty good. Kind of relaxing, you know, doing a little bit of this and that, including self-care. Yes, self-care is everything. I've actually been trying to practice self-care, but I'm in the middle of wrapping up all these deadlines for a TED Talk that I'm going to be doing on September 22nd in Pasadena. Um, and it is such an amazing experience. There are many people who wish they can add TED Talk to their portfolio or, or their right. resume, rather. But th- there's a lot that goes into it. It looked a lot easier than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure after you're done with this one, you will feel really yeah. good about it. Yeah, I'm already thinking about the second one. Because you're a perfectionist. So I can imagine it's... Borderline OCD, yeah. but I think you relate to that. Yes, I do. <laughs> Speaking of self-care, we're going to jump right into it. And today's self-care tip is aromatherapy. Yes. Aromatherapy. Uh, I feel you already know about this self-care tip because every time I'm around you, you have some of the most amazing cologne. Oh, and I feel you. like it's not like the cheap alcohol-based stuff, but it's like real <laughs> oil. Or thank like- you. I um, Yeah, so, you know, as a kid, I used to... Um, kind of like use my dad's colognes and I would use them so much where he would get angry at me. Um, and then I think like around 10 or 11, I started buying my own cologne. So I'm definitely all about scent and my place is always scented with scented candles. So um, um, I, I definitely believe in um, scent really having an effect on you and your mood. Well, there's a lot of benefits. So especially the plant-derived oils, uh, they enhance your physical health, your emotional health. Also, they bring back really warm memories. So say, for instance, every time I smell eggplant casserole, which is not that common, I'm instantly taken back to my grandma's house during some Mm -hmm. of the most... I don't know, warmest memories of my childhood. And that's a really important thing now being that I lost her back in November. In fact, the day we launched the show, November the 20th, and I lost her November 19th. And so Uh, Aroma can bring back good memories. Yeah. Also, it can remind you of like an old flame. I know there was a minute where I swear to God, everybody's side chick was wearing strawberries and champagne from Victoria's <laughs> Secret. And <laughs> or pear. Victoria's Secret's pear. Remember that? My mom wore so pear. Good. In fact, when I, oh my God, Vic, see aromatherapy in the, in real time. Like when I think, and she's listening to this, by the way, she always listens to the show, but yeah. it was called Pear Glace or Glace, something French that I can't pronounce, but yeah. she always wore it. And they whatever. would run out of it all the time. You go to Victoria's Secret and they'd say, oh, we're out right now. Yeah. Um, and it was like, um, it was it was really popular. Also, when you read about uh, anxiety attack and, and the remedies that you can do if you're having an attack, like breathing into a uh, paper bag and such, one mm-hmm. of the top remedies is to smell something that is like reminds you of like old times when things were great whatever that may be could be like a lemon because as a kid you drank a lot of lemonade and that calms you down funfetti cake or (laughs) (laughs) right i won't just stop at the at the smell like i'll go all the way to the taste hey whatever it takes (laughs) 
Speaking of whatever it takes, this guest that we have today on the show is a one-man show. He is definitely a pioneer in media, and he solicits a lot of feedback, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But at the end of the day, he is unapologetic about it. Joining us today is Perez Hilton. Thank you so much for joining us today, Perez. How are you? How are you? I'm doing fantastic, doing the best we can, given the circumstances. As always, that's all you can do. I'm um so I really have always respected your your style of media because it's one of those things where you're not afraid to say what needs to be said. And there are a lot of people often who are taken aback by that because Hollywood typically tends to be a town where people um they kiss kiss but then stab you in the back. And so, like, how did you get to a place in your own personal style of journalism where you weren't afraid of, like, what people uh, would think and how they would respond to that? Well, I never thought much about or cared much about what people whom I don't know thought about me. Um, And recently... I even stopped caring about what people I do know think about me in the, in the sense of, um, you know, when I was starting out and and in the past, I, I thought that I had celebrity friends and there was never anything I cultivated. It just ended up happening. But then over the years, I've realized that it's just really difficult to do what I do and have celebrity friends. So I don't even try. I don't put any effort into that um, because I have a job to do and that comes first. Right. And I think what's really interesting, um, we are somewhat the antithesis in that way where you talk about like a lot of the heavy hitting facts and you put it out there like it is. And on my end, a lot of times I try to actually give them an opportunity to really say like what they want to say because it's I feel that somewhere between my style and yours, you have people that are only focused on clickbait. And what I like about, you know, your style is that you still are telling the truth. So it's not one of those things where it's like, you know, like, oh, he's saying all these things that aren't accurate. Like there's receipts. (laughs) And what I like and press Heights, Vic. Hello. Good to hear your voice. And um, to echo what uh, what Ashley said, what I like about you is that despite your ever rising star, and you know, uh, you know, you're a huge star on your own, you still are not afraid to, um, you know, just be blunt and straightforward, sort of like uh, Cher, <laughs> the male mm-hmm. version of Cher. You know, just says it how it is. And oh I, gosh! I think that's, that's a huge compliment. That's like a huge like I'm kind of jealous over uh, yeah. here. Like I'm like, wait a minute! Like you went off. <laughs> Well, I think it's such a rare thing because um, so few people are willing to like really just like say it as it is and not uh, sugarcoat it or have politics of respectability. And and for that, you are respected. Well, I I mean, I've also evolved as the years have passed. Like, I'm not a saint, 
But in the past, I used to do things differently than I do now. And, you know, in relations to even this podcast and, you know, queer issues, you know, in the past, I used to out celebrities, which is something I do not do anymore. In the past, I used to uh, post photos of celebrity children and just say stupid things. I don't post any photos of celebrity children. I have a no kids policy on my website unless the parents share the photos themselves on social media or they're at a red carpet event. I don't doodle on the photos anymore, inappropriate things. I don't give people stupid nicknames. So, you know, I think that that's a good lesson for me. Wow, you and did for- all that? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I know a lot of the newer Perez. So, like, oh, that's why, like, I'm like, yes to this. But That's why I called Perez a, a, a cyber bad boy. <laughs> One time cyber bad boy. So what changed for you? Like, I know that you're a dad and you've definitely stepped into um, the fathership role. Like, do you think a lot of that has to do with why you've made that decision? Actually, it started before then. Uh, I've been blogging and doing everything I do, which is including, you know, my own podcast and two YouTube channels and acting. Um, I've been around since 2004. So I'm a veteran and I've been around a long time. Yeah. I remember hearing about you in Kentucky uh, where I'm from, but I didn't really get into the Hollywood scene until like 2010, maybe. So like I'm a late bloomer. (laughs) Okay. So uh, I started in 2004 and then in 2010, the year you mentioned actually in the fall of that year, there was this teenager, a gay college student named Tyler Clementi, who was studying in the New York's uh, tri-state area. He he went to Rutgers in New Jersey and his roommate secretly videotaped him being intimate with another guy. And then he was so distraught over this, he ended up jumping off the George Washington bridge and taking his own life. And then the most crushing thing happened after that, even more so than that. Over the next two to three months, there was literally over 15 gay youths that took their own lives. And I had never seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. And I thankfully have never seen anything quite like that since. And as a result of that, Dan Savage, this journalist, created this campaign called It Gets Better, encouraging adults to make videos for young queer youth talking about their own experiences and how things got better for them. So the the very same day that Dan Savage created this, this It Gets Better campaign, I made a video. I was the first public figure to make an It Gets Better campaign. And the response that I got to my video really shook me to my core. I thought I was doing something positive in making that video, but the overwhelming response, the majority by far of people were saying, how dare you make an It Gets Better video? You're part of the problem. You're a hypocrite. You're a bully. Mm-hmm. And up until then, you know, I, I was deluding myself by saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm just entertaining people. And if people don't like what I'm saying, they don't have to read it. And Perez Hilton is just a character. So if people don't like Perez, it's okay. Cause they don't like, you know, somebody made up. That's not the real me, but 
it was me doing those things. And it was almost like some weird Jekyll and Hyde thing. And then I, you know, said to myself, well, that's not who I am in my heart. So I need to, I need to show the world the real me and stop hiding behind this mask and change things. And I did. And and what happened afterwards was interesting because I almost lost myself in the opposite. Like I did such a 180 for a few years. Like my whole mantra was WWOD. What would Oprah do? Because I love Oprah. (laughs) I grew up watching her. And, you know, I would tell myself all sorts of these mantras and mottos like. Very super soul Sunday. Yeah. Aspire higher. Aspire higher. And it almost became inauthentic. So I think what's happened since then, I've moved to my center and I found my core, which is just acknowledging that just by nature of the nature of what I do, people are not going to like what I have to say a lot of the time. You know, if you're a singer, Ashley, and you release a new single, if Perez Hilton says, I don't like your new song, Singers don't want to hear that. They are sensitive people and they take what they do so passionately and seriously or maybe even hypersensitively. Like they just want to hear that everybody loves it and they don't want to hear the negative thing that I don't like the song, which isn't mean. Saying I don't like somebody's song isn't mean, but an artist may may not like it and they may even interpret it as, oh, he's being mean by saying he doesn't like my song. He should have just kept that to himself or whatever. I don't know what they think, but... You know, I look at somebody like um, Sharon Osbourne, and to me, she's a big role model because she also just is not afraid of speaking her mind. But I also think that people don't look at Sharon Osbourne as being like an awful human being. (laughs) Right. Well, I think you make a good point. And this is where even in my own personal journey uh, in media and telling stories and holding people accountable. It's recognizing that you can hold people accountable and hold them at the same time. And so like I've had people like Rose McGowan on the show where, you know, there's been like controversy in this direction. But I think to your point, it really is about finding that center. And I think that unfortunately, a large part of what's happening with uh, not only pop culture, but just our social climate is that there are all of these people who are in power, who have influence and who have celebrity and people are co-signing a great deal of their bullshit and no one wants to really call it out because if they do, they don't want to be relegated to the basic bitch section or they don't (laughs) want to, you know, that kind of thing to happen. And so I think that voices like yours and voices like mine are important as they aren't perfect however truth is truth and you just can't un like you just can't untell it sometimes it well it you know it's absolutely and you guys are both activists and what you you know all the work that you do and a lot of times people don't realize that your voices are helping so many people but they are because you don't you don't get feedback from everyone you may get an email from that person who didn't like that one comment, but there are a lot of people who uh, look up to you. And, you know, for Perez, for example, um, you know, Perez knows this. I'd recommended him uh, for something uh, earlier this year. And, you know, I, I told a friend of mine uh, about Perez. I said, how important is it for queer youth growing up to see that someone who's a media mogul on top and who's like a renaissance man in every uh, facet of mass media happens to be a gay man. And that's something right. to look, for, you know, to models, look up right. to. 
or or to look at a one of the most prominent and uh, one of the most important voices as a transgender woman um, for for people to see you, Ashley, and say, "I can be that, and I can be heard." And uh, you know, it's it's really important, and it's important for those of us that are looking from outside in to remind you of that. Yeah. I think one of the most things that I found in uh, deeply empowering Perez is even before I personally even got in to uh, media slash journalism slash whatever the fuck it is we decided to be this week because we're <clears throat> multi-potentialites and polymaths and we have all of these uh, gifts and talents was that a lot of the problem, like you hear like the right wing says a lot of things like, oh, you know, fake news and like media and all of these things to kind of distract people from what's really going on. Um, however, there is somewhat of a little bit of truth to that in that even left media, like all of it together, there's this very um, controlled climate. And there are these gatekeepers of media who say, these are the things that we're allowed to talk about. These are the things that are off limits. And so what I found to be so remarkable was that here you have one man who has um, built this huge platform in which no one can control your voice but you. So how important do you think it is in 2018 for us to have these various platforms, whether it be a blog or a podcast, or what do you, um, what do you have to say about that, the importance of independent media? Um, I don't even put too much importance into the media. I mean... The media is still important, but it needs to come. There are people who just do not care about what's happening in America, just like there are also people who do not care about entertainment. Um, what's important is you and you have to find it is, you know, do you do you want to seek this out? And um yeah, like I, I, uh, I, I think because of like Twitter and Facebook and platforms like that, you know, following individuals is almost just as, if not more important than following the BBC or NBC News or, or whatever it is that you might want to, because you're either looking for their opinion or they're they're plugged into information or they work for a news organization like i i even follow some producers that work at some of the news channels because i like their twitter feeds more than the news channel yeah. <laughs> well that's what we were thinking about uh, specifically kind of like the ways in which we um um, like how people get their news. And it's definitely a valid question. In 2018, especially among millennials and Gen Z, our parents' news or our grandparents, we turn to our news. Um, I mean, we get our news from social media. So you recently talked about that, actually, uh, having an addiction to social media. Can you talk more about that? It's really hard for me because <laughs> I feel like I don't well, I don't feel like it is. I mean, social media is a huge part of my job mm -hmm. and it's a nonstop 24 seven job. I don't have a nine to five where I can clock in and clock out. Um, and I feel, and for me, I feel that because 
And I listen, I'm the most honest, real person you'll ever meet. I don't have a few money in the bank. Mm-hmm. I work so hard because I have to work so hard mm-hmm. because I have three kids to support and my mother, whom I also support. So she's my fourth child. I have four people whose livelihood depends on me. Mm-hmm. And that's a you know high operating cost every year. Like it, it, I spend a lot just to live every year and I, I don't have enough money in the bank to never work again. Mm-hmm. If I did, then I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to take a social media detox. I'm going to be off all social media. <laughs> for for a week and not care about that but but I I don't think I can do that like you know I I have to continue to grow and engage and interact and and be informed and get information and and work and work and work and so what do you do for self-care though because we take all of that in and we and I'm an empath personally so I'm already sensitive by nature what do you do in those moments where you have to keep one foot in and one foot out I don't do much self-care, to be honest. <laughs> um, self-care. I, what do I do for self-care? I I just I, I just keep going. I just have perspective, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned at the very beginning of our chat, you know, you're doing the best you can, and I just remind myself that I I'm doing the best I can. And at any moment, thoughts get overwhelming. I remind myself that I am not my thoughts. Which is a cheesy thing, but it's true. You know, your thoughts are um, tainted by whatever it is that you're going through. So if you're going through uh, a breakup or difficulty at work or if you're just not getting enough sleep, lack of sleep will mess up your your thoughts. Uh, so I remind myself that and even though I'm aware of these things, it still doesn't make it always easier. And, you know, even when I'm exhausted, like I'm happily exhausted if I know that I worked really hard that day and I did some great things and I also did something special with my kids or for my kids and we went out and we did an excursion or whatever it may be, like I I I just am the hardest worker I know, not in like in a bragging way, like you know. No, I get I, it. I have a I have a couple of questions for you, um, sort okay. of related. So I know you have a very large. Um, large part of your audience are um, sort of uh, middle-aged, like young women in middle America. You have a, you know, big chunk of uh, people who live, you know, between the coast to coast. Do you ever feel, um, you know, that some of the, some of the messages you're sending, do you ever feel like, do you ever get any feedback saying, thinking that you're too liberal or progressive for them? And, And that could just be my own assumption that all middle America uh, you know, women between ages of 20 and 50 are, you know, on the conservative side. Yeah, no, I definitely get that feedback regularly, even from my sister, whom I work with, whom is oh. liberal as well. She's liberal as well, but she doesn't want me alienating people and saying things like, I don't want to build bridges. I don't, (laughs) I'm not talking about building walls either, but I don't want to find common ground with Trump people. I don't, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not a politician. I'm not trying to hear them out. Um, Having said that, you know, that doesn't mean I think Republicans are bad. There are a lot of smart Republicans and people that I agree with that are Republicans. It's the ones that just support Trump no matter what, which is so troubling. I said the exact same thing, actually. What I was telling like a lot of people, even because 
before me and Caitlyn Jenner had that that stupid fallout. Um, there were people actually who were like, how could you have ever been friends with her to begin with? Because you know she's a Republican. And I've always said like, uh, pre-Trump GOP and Trumpism is two different things. Um, and exactly. it's one of those things where also... I kind of miss the days where we had spaces where that wasn't part of the conversation. I feel in every space now. But I do have to remind both of you, though, that when President Obama was president for eight years, he tried very, very hard to meet not only everyone in the middle, but he was willing to give 90 percent. And for the most part, the GOP weren't even willing to give 10 percent. In fact, they spent eight years trying to throw all kinds of roadblocks his way. So even before Trump, we had a big issue where, in you know, from my perception, a lot of, not every Republican, obviously, but a lot of the establishment Republicans, their idea of compromise was, why don't you Democrats just be quiet, do everything we want to do, <laughs> and that's our compromise. Yeah, like, yeah but we'll we didn't have happy. babies in cages, though, and we didn't have, like, all of these, we didn't have, like, trans kids, like, being, like, targeted, and all of these, we didn't have people basically saying like, oh, I don't have to make you a cake because it's against my religious freedom. And so like, I feel that shit escalated kind of quickly. Or KKK members um, openly running for office. Oh my God, yes, <laughs> like the David Duke clan. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah, so so how do you, how do you um, navigate that even? Like being, because I don't know if you can relate to this press, but there's like a part of my own personal career where my team is working with me and, you know, they're cultivating me so that I'm able to like navigate entertainment and blah, blah, blah. And so there are those moments when I really just want to let shit hang all the way out and just go all the way in. But then like, I kind of have to step it back a couple of notches because like, I know that there's moments where I run the risk of like alienating everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, I listen to what my team says. Definitely. And there are some things, listen, at the end of the day, um, a comment like saying, you know, I don't want to uh, find common ground with those always Trumpers who will just support him no matter what. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'll lose an advertising deal over that. Yeah, but, um, you know, at the beginning of the year of 2018, I was doing what I thought was really funny, was parodying these Kim Kardashian photos. Like she kept posting all these naked photos. So then I was recreating them and putting my own spin on them, like just stupid. And my team was like, you know, advertisers don't find that funny. I'm like, really? Are you serious? I, th- I think it's hilarious. But I listened to my team and I stopped doing that. So I'm not just going to do whatever I want. Like I will listen to people. But to me, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm the one calling the shots, as we said earlier, and I'm going to do what I think is in my heart. How do you deal with online trolling? Yeah, it wasn't in my heart. Like my heart wasn't saying, oh, you need to keep doing these Kim Kardashian photos, but my heart is not going to be quiet about those Trump people. Right. I I don't I don't mind online trolling to answer that question. Um, I'm old school or I'm different than everybody else in that I would rather people talk negatively about me than not talk about me at all. (laughs) Talk is one thing, but now they're trying to uh, didn't you get like docs like didn't they 
like hack your Instagram account recently or something? A twit my Twitter, but I kind of loved that as well. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it got me some attention. I should hack my own Twitter more often. What's the old saying? Uh, all public, uh, bad publicity, still good publicity, or something like that. They can try to hack my email too. I have nothing to hide. They're, they're not going to find any inappropriate. We're not going to find the P tape, like the Russian P tape, or none of that. No, I know that's going like that. So I have, I have, I have the second question for you, Perez. I'd like to see your perception. Um, and it's this: Where are we uh, as a queer community? What's um, you know, what's our enemy? W- what are we about now? Um, to me, it feels like we're a little bit um, sort of choppy um, post-marriage equality. I would say choppy. our enemy is each other, to be honest. Come all the way fucking through. Continue. She's snapping her fingers right now. <laughs> I would say our enemy is each other because, like, what does it even mean to be queer anymore? What does it mean to be gay it means whatever the fuck you want it to mean. It means whatever you are. And oftentimes people in the queer community, like if you are not behaving the way you should, then you're looked down upon. Respectability politics, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like even Caitlyn Jenner, like, you know, she can think whatever she wants. Like uh, I, I would think to me, I would think the same things about her if she was still Bruce Jenner, like, oh, she's, he's supporting Donald Trump, you know, like whatevs. It, it, it almost has nothing to do with being gay or like, you know, for me, like I often get so much negative um, feedback from gay men specifically, like, oh, I'm, you're an embarrassment to the gay community or this or that or the other. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just living my life openly and honestly, and I'm not trying to represent gay people, just like I'm not trying to represent Latino people or I'm not trying to represent anybody other than myself. Having said that, because I am gay and because I am Latino, you know, I will use my platform to talk about things that are important to me and to my community, which I don't have to. Like I have an entertainment news site, which I don't really, I don't even call it that. I call it a pop culture site, which gives me the liberty to talk about anything I want to, because to me, pop culture is whatever people are talking about, you know, whatever is trending. And to me, that includes social issues or um, politics or just whatever is wacky and I, and I want to talk about. So, yeah, I would say, you know. Uh, the 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 real enemy to the queer community is us, and 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 you know still even um, I, let me tell you like, well I don't even like I'm so isolated in my own life like I don't even do anything other than just work and be with my kids, but we're so um, discriminating against so many, even though we're discriminated against. Yes, like, what's called lateral oppression It's basically when these communities uh, act out. We act out our trauma on one another is what happens. Like the the queer community segregates themselves so much. It's like gay men here, white gay men there, the Asian men here. I mean, uh, Latinos there. I mean, there's some mixing or like lesbians don't want to hang out with the gay men or whatever it might be. Or, or and then like trans uh, trans people don't feel accepted or or even something as simple as like me now that I'm 40 plus. In Los Angeles, like I feel like the gay community there, in terms of the the scene. Are you a daddy is, now? <laughs> no, I, I just feel very excluded. Like West Hollywood and that whole world is so 
youth focused and youth centric, which is very different from New York City. What I love about New York is that it's a lot more mixed, like old and young and different professions and just interesting and and a variety even to nightlife and a lot more mixed. L.A. is just... <laughs> yeah, that's interesting that that would actually because I, I I feel like when I think of like Perez Hilton and your brand, like I would have thought that you would have dovetailed in quite nicely into that culture. And so I think like it's very it's very interesting to hear you talk about that feeling of like of being excluded, because I almost wonder if majority of that scene feels that way. And that's where a lot of the overcompensation comes from and the focus on, you know, bodies and, you know, or I also call it no fats, no femmes, no Asians culture, like that whole like thing. I mean, it's also vanity too, or like, uh, you know, like, queer gay men i'll just be specific like you they're so often like you date yourself like oh you could be brothers or whatever (laughs) it is like i I, i'm sure there's a lot of psychological reasons for everything but when push comes to shove you know we do show up for each other and we do get shit done well, look at you, Perez. I, I was talking to Ashley before this, and I said, um, every time I've reached out to Perez, he's been there. In fact, my column was brand new. I had like two interviews before you. Michelle Visage was one of them. And I remember emailing you like thinking, you know, he's not even going to read it or he's just going to say, what? What are you talking about? And you did my column, which was, you know, you know, it was a huge honor, but also you gave... He's talking about the blunt post for those... Yeah, um, 10 Questions with Vic um, yeah. oh. that I did um, with Perez Hilton. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, I have, Perez is going to do it. That was like, you know, a gift, a huge gift to me because it opened the doors after that. Because when I was approaching other people after that, I put your name on top and said, well, I just interviewed Perez. And, you know, you did show up for me. So I'm glad you brought that up we do at the end of the day do show up for each other oh well you're welcome i think one of the most important things that we're beginning to see and i think that this could actually be a beautiful thing uh you talked about kind of how now it used to be i'm a gay person um i'm you know these are what my experiences are but now people are actually starting to see us for who we really are. So just because you're a trans person doesn't mean that the entire trans community should get behind you because you're trans uh, based on identity politics. It's like, no, you actually have to not be a trash ass human being, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, or vice versa, like everybody who's African-American, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily like going to show up and support uh, uh, their politics. And so is it safe to say in a sense that when you start to see a little bit of what we would on the outside see as divisiveness, that it's actually us being seen for face value? Um, Because I feel there was a time where you're looking at survival, right? Um, mm -hmm. We have to stick together because we're all we have. And even though um, we aren't perfect, like prime example, in the African-American community, I've talked about this and I've got a lot of backlash, is that it's almost like trans people get shit on a lot 
and we're supposed to just take one for the team and just not really speak out against uh, people like uh, a little Duval, like when that whole Charlemagne the God Breakfast Club thing happened, there were like people that came out and was like, yeah, but you're like ganging up on black men and media and stuff like that. And you, and it's like, no, I'm ganging up on trash ass human beings. The fact that he used to, that he happened to be a black man is beside the point. So what I'm noticing more is that we have stopped giving people a pass just because they fall into alignment with our very own identity politics and we're actually holding people accountable more so i'm just like i'm wondering if you've noticed a trend of that or do you think that well yes and no like uh but then i keep going back to the 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 trump people who just support him (laughs) no matter what yeah (laughs) so so i don't know yeah maybe i mean the th- the biggest dream and hope I have, which I don't, I mean, hey, if 2016 tw- taught us anything is that anything is possible. <laughs> like, I just think that it's as a, as an American, like this whole country is all about freedom and choices. And it sucks that when you have such an important choice as who you want to lead our country, you only can choose from two you know, a Democrat or a Republican. Like, I wish that we had four parties that were viable parties. Like, yeah, there are other parties, but they're really not viable. Like, at at least not yet. But, you know, maybe an independent like a Mike Bloomberg will come around for 2020 and run and, and maybe he'll even win. Who knows? Because Donald Trump definitely moved the Republican Party to the right, and Bernie Sanders definitely moved Hillary Clinton and the entirety of the of Democratic Party to the left. A centrist like Mike Bloomberg or somebody else could be could be a, a potential real contender. Could you ever see yourself running for any office? No, because I'm for a Tilton. <laughs> I would never win. Ever. It, it, well, he was Donald Trump, damn it. And look, like we're stuck. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe I would. You're right. You're, but, uh, you know, I only. He think was the apprentice. Would, <laughs> that guy. Well, actually, you, may, you bring up a really good point. Like I said, I would never run because I don't like to lose. I like to win and only do things that I'm good at. And I know that I would Same. win at. Oh my but God. I don't even think he thought he would win. I, 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 like many people, I think Donald Trump just ran for publicity. He never, I'm pretty sure he didn't think he would ever win. He was just doing that to, to like help his own brand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he ended up winning. So, you know what? Maybe I would. Um, Well, the reality TV ratings are definitely uh, through the roof. His presidency has more ratings than the show ever did. So. Yeah. So let's, let's talk entertainment. I'm just curious, Perez. Who are some of the names right now, the current names or new names that are inspiring you? Uh, you know, who's like really tickling you right now, whether music or uh, acting, TV shows, just entertainers? Who's on your radar? Um, you know, it's interesting. I would say that uh, a lot of YouTubers are on my radar right now because that's what the young kids love. Like, I... It's so hard to keep up, though. I know, I know. Because I feel like that Mariah Carey meme, like, I don't know her. Like, I just... (laughs) I'm old, I'm 40, but... You know, I, 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 I know the, the mainstream celebrities and I'm on YouTube. I have two YouTube channels and I post every single day on them. But only recently did I start covering YouTube drama. And let me tell you, 
YouTube drama does very well on YouTube. Is the it young everything? kids, the young kids, <laughs> well, those videos end up getting more views than a regular video talking about like a big celebrity, mm-hmm. like a video about a YouTuber messing up and being stupid will get viewed more than a video about Ariana Grande doing something stupid. Uh, so to me, I view that as an opportunity. I'm like, well, dang, I got to be doing more YouTube drama videos. So I am. (laughs) I think what it is, is that people feel that YouTubers maybe are more accessible. I think that that's like the key ingredient um, to a lot of media that Gen Zers and the early or the latter millennials are into is that they're into authenticity. Yeah. I mean, I'm old and I'm into that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Any any names any names come to mind? Well, just the ones that have been creating drama, but but I'm not necessarily <laughs> like fans of theirs. But this video, I mean, this week alone, I made videos about Manny M U A Manny Mua, uh, Nikita Dragon, Laura Lee, okay. Gabriel Zamora, uh, Cole, and Savannah LeBrant. So whomever is just being stupid. <laughs> yeah. So. So if we were to open up your uh, music playlist, who would be the, 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 the top three right now? Um, I, I don't even know. I mean, I post music every single day on my website. I just posted a song today by this artist named Doja Cat. Bitch, I'm a cow, <laughs> that one. Yeah, moo. moo. <laughs> bitch, I'm a cat. Bitch, I'm yeah. a cat. <laughs> bitch, I'm a cat. I know. That's with that song. <laughs> I feel so left out. I So it's basically, Doja's basically like in this, there's this hairstyle that I guess is like mimicking cow ears and all kinds of stuff and and wearing like a cow costume and like twerking, but like very mellow and, and just like get out my hay, awesome. bitch, get out my hay, moo. Like, Where have just, I been? It's it's very you know what I love about it I think again only in a post Trump America could I ever find solace and safety and peace in a song like that because <laughs> you escape like it's like I I I mean I I'm I'm not precious about what I like like I like cool stuff but I also like silly stuff and I embrace it like I'm not too cool for school I like all sorts of things I'm not a regular mom I'm a cool mom like I always <laughs> like mean girls <laughs> yeah how about you personally what what uh what can you tell us about upcoming events or new venture that's uh, maybe an exclusive for Shook. Well, I'm in one now, and that's not so. That's not really an exclusive. I'm actually just wrapping up. I'm here in Las Vegas. I've been here five weeks as the celebrity guest host at Chippendales, and this has been such a fun experience. I've really, I've always wow. loved Vegas, but I've been here with my family now for five weeks, and I've fell in love with it. I've fallen in love with it in a deeper way than I could have ever imagined. I love this city I love so Vegas. much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just so much to do here, not just for adults, but there's so much to do here with kids. Yeah. There is oh, more really? To I would yeah. <laughs> there's more to now do there with is. children in Las Vegas than there is in Los Angeles. Wow. And there's no state tax and the property tax is so low. So it's like so tempting to move here. Yeah. I actually went to go to Vegas for two weeks and I ended up being there a year and a half like that. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, it was, I ended up getting like a job as like a go-go dancer. Like I was like 20 years old and it was like all the drugs I could handle, all the rich white men I could handle, all of the, like I barely made it out of Vegas alive, but I still every now and again get like nostalgic at 34. Like I'm like, those were the days where I could just be careless. Uh, memories. And now it's time for like, it's like adulting. So thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to catch us with, uh, to uh, catch up with us and just join us for the conversation. Like I, I feel there's so many different conversations happening in different parts of uh, pop culture, media, religion, politics, all of it. So every now and again, it's just really um, great to just sit down and just kind of just talk about what's in front of us instead of like projecting. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Appreciate it. And have a great day. And uh, yeah, I can talk. So thank you. If you guys enjoyed me on here, I have my own podcast, the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker. You can hear it on iTunes or directly at PerezPodcast.com. And like I mentioned, I have two YouTube channels, the Perez Hilton for me and my family, personal stuff, and then Perez Hilton for everything pop culture. And uh, if you haven't been to the website in a while, I just gave Gave it a major makeover, a facelift. It's you know she got like a vaginal rejuvenation done. Nine hundred two one zero. You know we love yes. to get snatched. Yeah, <laughs> check check out the new and improved PerezHilton.com. So thank you guys. Thanks Perez. Good talking to you. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Bye. I am so grateful that Perez was able to join us. Uh, he actually joined us from Las Vegas. He's actually, as he said, currently there. And while we couldn't have him in the studio, I'm definitely glad that he was able to be with us in mind and spirit. And now we're going to go ahead and transition over to our safe space. So I'm going to read a text. Um, one of the one of our listeners texted us this message. Uh, it's a question, actually, that says, Lately, I've been feeling self-conscious about getting naked in front of my boyfriend, and, I've been, and it's been causing intimacy issues. Uh, do you have any advice on how to feel more comfortable with my body? That's a really good question. Thank you for asking that. I feel as though that's why a great deal of my adult life, um, aside from my drug use, <laughs> um, it's I've always been a more celibate kind of person and reserved is because I've always had to navigate body image issues. Um, anybody, we can make things look good in clothes, which is why winter typically tends to be like my favorite time of the year because you can kind of cloak and drape. Um, but... I think what I came to realize is that when I'm uncomfortable with my partner, it's not just about my physical appearance, but more so about the fact that I'm not comfortable with them spiritually. I feel that when I've felt that disconnect, sometimes there's this feeling that perhaps they were better than me. And I would find myself asking myself like, Oh my God, like he is so fucking hot. And you know, I'm this and I am that, like uh, uh, asking myself, like, how did I get this guy? How did I get him? And more importantly, how can I keep him? And so I think that kind of dynamic tends to shift when you are in a relationship where you actually feel equal 
to the person you're with. Right. So the same way you have your insecurities or your things that you feel you could improve, they have theirs too. And if they're mm-hmm. vulnerable enough to share those with you or to make it a space where they can be imperfect around you, it just makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. Um, um, in terms, you know, and I echo that and say, one, that no matter who you're looking at, as Ashley, you and I know, you don't ever compare your insides to somebody's outsides. And uh, in the queer community, especially in LA, it's very easy to be out or, uh, at a bar or anywhere and think that uh, you know my body isn't good enough. And just know that even guys who have 8% body fat, they are looking in the mirror saying they should be at 5%. And this is kind of like a, kind of a, an issue that, that everyone shares in various degrees. So you're not alone. Um, second thing I would say is forget about your partner for a minute. Just stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself and ask yourself honestly, are you okay with what you look like and who you are? And are you comfortable with that? Regardless of what your partner or anyone else uh, feels or thinks uh, or what you think you should look like. Mm-hmm. And if you are, then that's all that matters. Um, and then if you think there's room for improvement, then you accept yourself as you are right now, but then you go move forward one day at a time to make those improvements, whatever that may be, whether it's your food regimen or exercise, etc. cetera. Um, I don't know your partner and how he's uh, responding to your feelings or at all, but if your partner is telling you that you look great and he's okay with you, I would say believe him. Just believe him. Um, And, you know, that's all I have to say. I know it sounds kind of simple, but it's not simplistic. Um, that's, those are my two cents about that. And we're all, you know, we're all works in progress. Yeah. It's a universal feeling. And those were some very great points. Um, it really is about the relationship with yourself, which is why I actually took some time away to date because what I found that I was doing in my own personal life was that I was getting into these relationships because I was looking for them to fill some kind of void. And so Mm -hmm. it, it, it ended up becoming this unfair unrealistic expectation of another human being to feel the most deepest depths of my own insecurity. And so I feel that what he's attracted to more than anything probably is your confidence is in those moments where you have that outfit on and you're feeling some kind of way and you're feeling like you're stepping off of a music video set with Beyonce, whatever that vibe is that you give Try to give that vibe even with your clothes off. And I feel that when I've done that, you'd be amazed that a lot of our perception and how we feel is based on how we allow ourselves to feel. And people usually Mm -hmm. take the lead. So if you treat yourself as if you're the baddest bitch on the beach, then he's going to feel the same way. And at the end of the day these bodies and this beauty and the standard of it, it's always ever changing and ever evolving. And no matter who you are or how much money you have, it doesn't last forever. And just love yourself as you are today, whether you're going to, you know, go back to the gym or do whatever next week, that's different, but you still have to love yourself on a daily basis because you're worth it every day. 
If you have a question that you would love to leave for us in our safe space, you can do so at 424-261-9063. This has been your safe space. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love sharing these very important conversations with all of you. Tune in next week and listen with a friend. Shook with Ashley Marie Preston is a Reverie original podcast. This podcast is executive produced by Aaliyah J. Daniels, Damian Pelliccioni, Chris Rodriguez, LaShawn McGee, and Ashley Marie Preston. Created and produced by Ashley Marie Preston and Kyle Sarge. Sound engineered by Bert Lambro. Edited by Kyle Sarge. 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 By Kyle Sarge.